And now, detailing success in PNS Double Black present the Rennie Doyle Podcast, a podcast for blue-collar entrepreneurs. Hosted by the detailer of Air Force One and founder of both detailing success and the detail mafia, Rennie Doyle. So, so Chris, what if you speak first and it says, but now here's Rennie? I mean, you know? Oh, I just know, I just know better. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm going to put you to, next time, I'm just going to sit here and look at the camera and make you say something. Oh uh, well, then I then I'll just say you know surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Jump out of the cake. Oh, that's funny, man. Funny. Yeah. Uh, good morning. Good morning. How's uh how's weather up there today? That's that's the topic Beautiful. everywhere right now. It's gorgeous. Yeah? It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's it's really pretty. Um, yesterday not so much. You know. Yeah. Uh, we had icy roads. You know, last night and uh, coming down. You know, I had a funeral. Uh, Bill Bartel, I love you. Absolutely do change my life. Uh, was the closest. Uh, God, I got to be careful saying this the way I say it. You know, my dad's still alive and I love my dad. You know, we just never close. I didn't know him when I was a kid. Right. I didn't know him until I was an adult. So no disrespect taken from him. But Bill Bartel came into my life when I was 14. And, you know, I didn't we didn't have any money. We didn't I, I didn't know what luxury was. I did, I'd never gone to I'd never gone to a dinner. I'd never. I mean, dinner to, to me was like a fancy dinner. Literally, I'm not kidding. It was McDonald's. I mean, we, we just didn't have anything, right? And so, I mean, this man just exposed me. He was an entrepreneur. He's a pilot. He was just, he was an honorary, an honorary dude. <clears throat> and we, we, I think everybody agreed at the funeral yesterday, the memorial, that everybody had a tiff with him at some point, right? But it was always great because he was a strong personality, but here's the thing his wife's personality is even stronger and i got up and you know it's my first wife's dad i mean we're we were married becky and i were married at a very young age and we we were talking her and i were talking we've been you know her her and diane know each other my wife knows her and um i know her kids uh her kid i put up something last night Did you see where i said a young man made me cry yesterday no i missed it so i put on my story and boy i get this get emotional bill loved to fish so i was i i loved to fish as a kid but I'd never gone out deep sea fishing. And so Bill introduced me into a one day trip, you know, of deep sea fishing. And I, I loved it. So then we went out for several one dayers and then we went for three dayers. Then we went for a one week. And then one time I went with him way down to Mexico for two weeks. And I never did that one again. That was way too long uh, to be on a boat with a bunch of dudes. You know, I just didn't, just didn't dig it. You know, I could have never made the Navy work. No, no, you know? no three hour cruise, huh? Yeah, no three hour cruise, you know, but Bill just, he just, you know, he, so on the, on the edge of his coffin were different types of fish, you know, these little ceramics, right? Some would have angels and this and that, and they put fish on his. So um, they gave all, he's got four grandkids. They give all the grandkids, you know, the fish off the corner. And so um, I was a pallbearer and I just, I got, I, you know, I spoke and God, the dude just left so many freaking i mean yesterday honestly when he died it hit me hard and then yesterday he died because and it's so backed up on burying people you know it, it took him almost a month to bury him um and so um you know i don't do open casket stuff just just not me i want to remember him how i last saw him. does that make sense i'm, and I'm with you military, there what's that i'm with you there yeah, nah, he's, he's, you know, that's a shell. Uh, the real stuff's, you know, real stuff's 
being dealt with, right? But, um, you know, I, I won't say yesterday I was sad. I was sad not to be with these guys. Diane had them, though. Bless your hearts. I think I was in a better place being at a funeral than you guys were with her. <laughs> Who, who got busted for leaning? Anybody? Oh! 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 oh. Fellow female. Twice. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have more shots. So, um, you know, I, I guess I'm rambling on about Bill, but, you know, here's the thing is that probably about 20 years ago, I finally, I mean, I always appreciated Bill. Everything he did for me. I always appreciate it, but about 20 years ago, I went, oh, shit. This dude, like, totally changed. Him and his wife both changed the course of my entire life. So at every single moment, I gave glory to that to them. You know, at every single moment. So at the end of the day, I'm good, man. I'm not, I cried a little bit when I was speaking because I was talking to his wife because she's alive. And I wanted to make sure that not just I got to tell her how I felt about her husband, but how I felt about her, but how, so her kids and her grandkids could hear there's people there that they left. I had no idea. Some of the, the, the crater size freaking deposits they put into other people. It was not just me. That was a habit that they had had their entire lives of giving to other people. Um, there's some good friends of, of theirs that became really good friends to me. Right. They're from New Guinea. They sponsored them there. Well, they helped them buy their first house. You know, there are immigrants here. They helped them become citizens. Um, they had to leave their two children, their twin girls, back in New Guinea and come here for two years. And Bill and Winnie, they didn't have the money to bring the girls out. Bill and Winnie paid for that. I mean, things I didn't know, right? Uh, I mean, and so here I am at the end of the day. It's raining like crazy, which, you know, we, Chris, you know, we don't get rain. And this was down the hill. And all of a sudden, my 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 first, I don't call her my ex-wife because I've got too much respect for her. My first wife, you know, we we didn't we were just young, stupid, no kids. But all of a sudden, her, I mean, I know her kids. You know, her son comes up to me. He's got tears in his eyes, and, and oh, this one's gonna be tough. He um he goes, Rennie, I I know how close you were to my grandpa, and he goes, I want you to have this, and he presented me the the fish that was on the side of his casket. And he goes, you deserve this. You had a lifelong and honestly, it's going to mean more. And maybe some, someday it will come back to me. And I was like, you want to tell me that youth is bad? That kid had a, I mean, stop saying that about young people. You well, know, he clearly, had, he clearly had a good grandpa. He had a good grandpa. Uh, he had a, he's got an entire, Becky, my ex-wife, a lot of people hate their exes. I love my ex. She, she's a huge – her family, we, we're closer brothers and sister and, and business partners, if that makes sense. I have 3,000% respect for that family because that family is my family, and it changed my life. And if you can't admit that to people, do not let them die, and you haven't told them that. The good thing is, is I'd go in – I told the story – is every time I was on drill weekend, I'd always go in and see Bill. I, not every time, but a lot of drills. He loved seeing me in uniform. Well, COVID happened, and um, I can't tell the whole story. I'll tell you guys afterwards. If you want to hear the whole story, come up to me at an event, and I'll tell you. But I found a way, even during COVID, to get into him. 
And I didn't misuse anything or do anything illegal. I just, listen, you don't get anywhere. We're going to, you know, we got some questions today and I hope some people ask me some hard questions. Um, you don't get anywhere. Uh, what, 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 what's the old saying is you, you, you learn the rules like an artist so you can, so you can break them like a, a professional or something like that. I can't remember what the quote is. Somebody famous said of it. You got to learn the rules and you got to learn where to bend the rules. Right. You know, not illegally, but listen, if you're going to follow the rules of business, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fail because you got to go out and figure out those rules for how they are in your business and your life. So yeah, yes, this week is powerful. We got some freaking awesome people here. Um, it's cool because there's 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 very few new souls to me here. You know, I know these people. I've met them before, and it's pretty badass. So we're going to – Chris, I got to have them come up one at a time. I'm going to have you guys come up. We'll just start right here. Just work your way around. Just uh, say, you know, your name and your name of your company and where you're from, you know, the country. So come on up. We're going to have them introduce – this is a big part of it because they're, they're part of our lives right now, you know. And this week's kind of cool because you guys were – you know, everybody there knows what I do. And they're asking, you know, they a lot of them saw on social media that we're, we're training. They're like, how the hell? And so I had to get praise to Diane. Hey, Diane covered for me, but these guys are cool. And so, you know, we just changed the schedule around a little bit, which we appreciate you guys allowing us to do it. Because yesterday was, I used to call it the four big ones when I was young. My mom and grandma, Bill and Winnie. When that, those were the big things when I was your guys' age, I didn't want to face. And that was losing them. And I've lost three or four, you know. And did I lose them? No, it's just I'm delayed seeing them again, you know. But, oh God, again, um, you know, I look at it the same way with my dog. It sounds crazy, but, you know, he's at the vent right now having his belly drained out a little bit because his dang ticker doesn't work real well. I'm going to lose him at some point. No, I'm not. You know, it's just delayed. I'm just not going to see him for a bit. That dog has, has, has showed me more about aging. Bill is the same way, man. Bill's 91. When he was 86, we had to sit down with them. They made me do it, and I had to take his motorcycle away from him. He was still riding? 86 <laughs> years old, he was still riding a, a motorcycle. Wow. And I said, dude, you can't do it no more. <laughs> and he's like, well, can I just go to the grocery store? And I said, no. I said, you can't. And I said, you know, they came around the corner, and they saw you plow into a fence. Oh, yeah. I said, you're, you're done. When then Winnie, just two years ago, they made me take the car away from her because we had a deal. I was replacing the hubcaps on her car. She had hit a curb so that the rest of the family wouldn't find out. Well, finally, I was replaced. I was just get. I was just buying hubcaps off of Amazon and just caught, kept them in my car because it was literally every two weeks. And I was finally I called and I had a rat on her, you know, and say, "Hey, we got to take her. You got to take her license away," you know. <laughs> but at home, that she almost made it to ninety. You know, still driving. So, I mean, that's cool, right? That's so, really cool. come on up and introduce yourself. Hey, guys, hey, real, real, real fast before they do that, uh, mm -hmm. I got a message from one of our our students from last December. I thought I would share with with these guys and with everybody. Um, <clears throat> it's from R Romero Torres, who we actually got to see mm -hmm. uh, just over the weekend. But he said, he said, welcome. He said, welcome group, referring to the students there right now. He says, what a treat you're all having. I miss being in that training. It's life-changing and a treasure, the time and people I was blessed to work with that week, last month. Mm. So there you go. That's that cool. Meryl's, he's good. All good people, man. I mean, just, just, 
You know, the cool thing about being here is even if you don't stay in our group, the friendship goes on forever. You know, the coolest thing is randomly yesterday, how the universe and God, whatever you want to call it works, is one of our students I was talking about him, Nick. I talked about him Monday. All of a sudden last night, I get a, a random email from Nick just asking how I was doing. And I was in a really good place, but it felt cool that a friend reached out at the right time. Mm-hmm. That's what this industry is all about. That's what industry, I don't care what's not just this industry, but I want to tell you, I went and spoke at, and I won't mention the industry. I went and spoke at another event in the industry, man, they don't have the magic we got. I used to rag on us a little bit because, you know, we're kind of some ragtag, you know, a bunch of broke people that kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of got into detailing as a way to survive. Right. I'm speaking to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, yeah. Ragtag. Yeah. I mean, we're all different ages and from backgrounds and, and this and that, you know what, that kind of what makes our heart, what, what people in our industry rag about ourselves about is actually a gift that we've got because we dig it. We're soul deep. And, and, and the emotions come out and uh, well, I'll tell you what, it's a blessing, you know, and having everybody here this week is a blessing. You know, I wouldn't be as focused and would probably dwell. And Bill used to tell me when his mom died, um, he was a chronic alcoholic and he had really burnt his family, you know, with 30 years of drinking. And then, um, so when I came into the family, it was right when he was giving up drinking and none of them, they're done. They're ready to pop smoke on them. Rightfully so. So I come into it and he's going through withdrawals and everything else. Right. I mean, he's brand new at stopping. I mean, I think when, when we met, he was still drinking, but I remember him one day going, man, I got to go to this meeting and I'm really scared and I'm 14 years old. And I went, Billy, you want me to go with you? And you know what that meeting did for me? I have addicts in my family. I watched it went down. I went through AA as a youth with him and it kept me from drinking because I said at all those, I must've went to 50 meetings with him, not every single one of them, but he was scared. He was his, his alcohol and his lack of alcohol, both had trashed his life and he never picked up another drink. He was younger than what I am now. 40 something years of being, his wife was ready to leave him. His kids had had gotten fed up. His business was going crazy, good, and he went to a whole nother level at that point in business, in life. And here he took this ragtag kid, you know, and, and changed his life. So come on up and introduce yourselves real quick. Just look into the light. Hey, good morning. My name is Carlos Cadillo. I'm from Riverside, California. The business name is still in progress, but, you know, I'm glad to be here. It's a good program. And... Uh, you know, it's the connections that you make that you make the best out of here. So happy to be here. Cool. Thanks, man. Hey, I'm Rusty Sarton. I'm from West Virginia. I've started up new again detailing. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be, be becoming part of the mafia and excited what else I can learn this week. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Rusty. Hey, good morning. Tommy Willis, Jersey City, New Jersey. I don't have a business or a shop yet. Just learning to Learning the ropes here and hopefully get something started soon. There you go. Right. Tommy, you, you 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 look and sound like you're from Jersey. Thank you. <laughs> Great response. Yeah, thanks. 
Hi, I'm Tamara Dinkins. I own Splash and Detail in Seattle, Washington. I'm a 23-year veteran in the yacht detailing industry, and uh, I'm learning an amazing amount of information, truly getting humbled this week. Uh, all I can say is, yeah, never stop learning. There you go. I love it. All right, so we've got Darren sitting over here, and he's our intern. He's a little shy. Oh, well, and no, so, no. look at that. So, Darren, you got to you you introduce yourself, man. Say where you're from. Darren all Rosa, good Victoria, British Columbia, meticulous detailing. There you go. So, he wasn't going to get up, so I put him on the spot. I put him on the spot. I don't want to take it from them. No, it's part of you, too, man. No, no, no. This is you putting into it, too. So, all right, let's jump into it. So, Q&A, this is kind of cool. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've got um, I've got four or five really cool questions lined up. Uh, I've actually got a few more in that, but I want to at least try and get to these four or five. So we'll see how cool. time goes. But um, I'm going to bring up the very first one right now. And this is from Britt Stokes out in American Fork, Utah. And he asked, how do you go from being a detailer to an entrepreneur? Is it a mindset shift? How did Rennie go from detailing on his own to establishing multiple successful shops? Ooh, great question. Uh, Brett, good, good hearing from you, first off. Um, okay, so when I was a kid, I, I've shared this, is I had this vision that I wanted to be, I wanted to be a, um, I, I saw Search and Rescue out one time. I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be a soldier. Um uh, I wanted to be a garbage man because I got to go like on big shit and ride on the outside of it on the street. That was cool stuff. You know, I've shared that in some presentations, um, but I always wanted to be my own boss. And I was, I was mowing lawns. Um, I was trading in bottles, all these different things kids do. Right. The thing at that point, and, and well, back to Bill's credit. I remember Bill when I, when I had my first business was a detailing business and um, I was detailing airplanes. And I remember, I remember I detailed here's the airplane. He was blown away. 14 years old, you know, and it was really, was I detailing it? I was cleaning it. I mean, that's really the reality of that first business. But I remember him telling me, listen, right now, what you've got is you've got a really good paying job for a teenager. You've got, you've created a job for yourself. You don't have a boss. So the first thing is admit, okay, what's my education? Let's go back. Dream, vision, plan, execute. I've lived by it. That saying since I was a kid. Dream it. You got to dream it. And then you got to vision it. Okay, how's this all going to work, right? And then plan it by the numbers. Don't overanalyze it. Plan it. If you've got 20 bucks to start your business, uh, okay, the planning is going to be pretty simple. Is I got to get a full-time job, and here's my plan of buying stuff. And in the meantime, I'm just going to build up and do what I can, okay? Um, fake it till you make it. Tough to do. Not impossible. I did it, you know, as a kid. I did it as back, you know, these guys know my story in the late 90s uh, of what happened to, to, to Diane and I, and we, we kind of faked it until we made it. Um, so your, your mindset, the first thing is, is to survive, get, get, you know, the ABCs, you know, airway, breathing, circulation. So, you know, get air into your lungs of your business, right? I mean, there's a reality. Um, make sure that, 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 that you know your airways clear meaning that you don't have a lot of debt following you you don't have a lot of don't put yourself in a bad position where you're going to strangle yourself and so now if you're in that situation i was both times i started my first my businesses is a i was just a kid trying to survive i didn't have anything i had people around me okay key 
people. Then the next time I got myself in a bad position, you know, I was going to use my skill sets that I learned from my other businesses to dig me out of that spot. And so I, I, I took and admitted my, my, my reality is I don't have much. So what am I going to be able to do without, without much? The second thing I did is mentors is I looked and I'd look at people and I'd say, I want to be like that. The thing I had that was just natural is I wanted to know how other people got where they're at. It was just my natural curiosity. How did you get there? You know, how did you make it? What did you do? And so I started asking questions. The next thing was, is that um, I started acting like an entrepreneur. I educated myself. And I'm not talking, I've got two degrees. Well, technically, I got three with, with, a, with an AA degree. I want to tell you, those degrees did this much. That much. It was a penny out of a dollar. It was, one, it was, it was, it was literally 1%. All, 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 all degrees did was teach me how to learn. It's, I, I really believe that. Now, if you're going to be a doctor or something, do I, am I against education? Absolutely not. Because every time you educate yourself, you're teaching yourself to learn more. So once I got to where I was stable, now I've got a good paying job. That's what most small businesses are. They've got a good paying job. They quit their 40 hour a week job to be their own boss. Now they're working 60, 80 hours, killing themselves a week for the same money they were making at the job. I get it, but you're your own boss now, right? Now you got to be you got to turn that into a true entrepreneur. How are you going to do that? Is that you're going to budgetary? You're going to watch your money. You're going to be able to. You're going to grow naturally. Um, you're going to take and put connections to people. We already talked about that. That pyramid, right? You at the top. You've got to learn to be a people person. Now, maybe you're maybe you're not a people person. Okay, if you're in the tech industry or something like that. Everybody's. I always hear this. Well, I'm not a really good salesperson. Well, if you're going to be a business. You better learn how to sell and 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 not you don't have to i've never believed i i was told in my first two sales jobs that i was going to fail because i wasn't aggressive enough what's actually made me succeed is because i wasn't a pushy salesperson what i was doing is honing in my skills without having excuse me to be pushy and that actually was a benefit i didn't like that i went in i got hired from a company to come in this guy I was doing business with, he goes, I will pay you a thousand dollars to come in and work in my in my company for one day. I think I think you could be a, a millionaire by the time you're 30. He was he owned a stockbroker, he was an investment company. I went in for that one day, two hours in, I said, You don't owe me a dime. I'm getting out of here. This is slimy. I can't do this. I, I can't do this. This isn't for me. It's not my makeup. I, I don't want to sell hard, hard sell people like this. Because I, I, I want to educate people. I, I want to entertain people with what I do. I want to connect with people. I want people to like me. I want to like them. And this isn't it. Could have I made a lot of money? Probably a crap load because I had people skills, right? So how did I go that mindset is that I had a dream and, 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 and I had a vision and I wanted to go make that happen. And I just set out and I said, okay. Here's my goals is I had a, 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 a Bill Quinn always mentions it is I started out small in my goals, three months out, six months out, one year out, three years out, five years out, 10 years out. And so I would lay that out. It's laid out right now for, in my life. You guys got saw the, the things that I pull up. I lay out quarterly goals for myself, 
seal them in an envelope, look at every quarter. And so it's, it's, it's planning and seeing what you want to do. And then also the biggest thing that people make a mistake of doing is make sure that you're building your business around your life, that your life is first. You're filling in all the blanks. That's the toughest one right there. That's the toughest one. But let me tell you, if you back up and you have your life, okay, I've got my, I've got my, if you're young, you don't have anybody yet. That's when you got to really be careful. So you know what you do? You have personal time that that's what I was in my twenties, man. I had, I had it made when I was in my twenties. I had the right outlook. It was all about outdoors, skiing, s'more skiing, um, mountaineering, uh, it was it was it was about giving back to my community. I volunteered thousands of hours a year, right? And all of a sudden, I started becoming successful and making money. But here I here here I didn't overwork. Is that crazy? Because I worked really hard five days a week, and I played. I'd go into work on Monday mornings worn out from so much play, but I was charged. And so a lot of people think now, did I give up a lot in my thirties? That's when I overworked and it slowed my process down. It didn't speed it up. Is the joy in my life made me happy? And I really feel that people pick that up. They, they pick up when you're truly happy. When you're just worn out and you're stressed out, even when you're in front of them, I was good at, at hiding it. Obviously, I wasn't that great. People were picking up on it. It's an energy that you put out. It's an energy you put out. And so my whole thing is, is I just, even if you're a little tiny, I had people, my own family, tell me that I was never going to make anything out of detailing. They said that twice to me. When I sold my first company, Spectrum Detailing, was it a business? They were absolutely right. It was not a business. I was not a, an entrepreneur. I had a, a good paying job. And, 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 and the businesses after that, I started maturing that and turning them to actual businesses. So what did I do? I had a plan. I had a financial plan. I had a financial planner. I invested. Is is even if it was just I remember investing in my retirement the first time, and I met with a a uh, 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 an advisor, and I was twenty. I don't know, 21, 20, somewhere right there. And they go, they looked at the finance they're bringing in, and they go, "You don't have a whole lot to invest." And I said, well, correct me if I'm wrong. When you're young, it doesn't take a whole lot. My point is, I want to invest the little I've got right now. And as I start building up success, I want to invest more. And wasn't interested. So I found another one. And that person's like, hey, here's what I'm going to tell you. Why don't you invest half of what you want to do right now, which was a minuscule amount. Take that other part and put it into your business. Let's accelerate the growth of your business a little bit so that in a year, now all of a sudden you're investing three or four times what you do right now. Brilliant. It was that mentality. That person stuck with me as a financial advisor for 20 years. For 20 years because they understood it. And so it's mindset. It's also, it's also self-admitting what your strengths and weaknesses are. What do I, what do I need to work on? You know, am I, am I an entrepreneur? Is okay. I've got job awareness and job experience that's cool it's going to help you it's not it's not a lot of people will tell you a lot of the gurus out there will say it doesn't have a lot of value towards you owning your own business bullshit if you learn and you get 
in those life experiences, every life experience has got value to your business is, is all your life experiences, but entrepreneurship, you got to know, okay. The biggest mistake I made was not bringing on those financial advisors sooner of not bringing on a really high end CPA, a little, I did it really quick. I wish I would have done it from the start from debt. Could I afford that? Keep your day job until you can't afford it. That's the other thing is don't go, man, there's bad debt and good. I don't like debt, period. But the only debt I'll take on is good debt. That's writable. I ask myself every time I, you know, we've got credit cards right here. I've got personal credit cards and business credit cards. And Diane and I have this discussion at least three times a week. Okay. Is this a business write-off? How can we? Yeah, how can't? Exactly. How can we make this a business write-off? Yeah. You know, so is this a business right off and 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 the answer is yes or no and so i keep it real clean for our accountant because they absolutely know hey if it's on this card that's that goes towards you know it's personal right so we got to pay that out of the personal account all these other things are out of that so you can see where i'm kind of going on this so um to to establish multiple shops let's talk about that second part and then we'll move on to the next question i'll be direct that was ego driven. That was me wanting to be bigger and not better. And it was one of the silliest things I ever did in my life. It turned out I learned a lot from it. And so the people I have, I have interactions with can benefit from that, but I wanted to be big. And what it happened was if I would have concentrated just on one or two locations instead of six, the other thing a lot of people don't know is three of those locations is I brought on, it, 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 I brought on partners you know, so three of those locations, I brought on partners. Darren's shaking his head. It was now a couple of my partners, really good partners. Okay. It worked. A couple of them, ugh, nightmares, nightmare, nightmares. And so what I really wanted to do was I wanted to take and scale rapidly. Um, it wasn't, it, it worked, but at what cost? The cost was it really, I overworked, man. I overworked at a vital time in my life when I should have been overworking. That was when my kids were little, you know, is that is not the time. I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword because you got to provide for your family. I overdid that a little bit, you know, and it took a couple of years to catch up from that because now all of a sudden I've got, I've got a habit forming personality. Now I've got this habit of what? Overworking. You know, I, that's all I knew was to hit, hitch the wagon up, put put the harness on and pull and start going that's what i knew and also it trained my family that it was okay to have me overwork scary that should everybody around me got used to me being a workhorse and that's a really i used to call myself the donkey you know is that i just strap on strap on the cart and start pulling the old ore cart you know just start pulling it start pulling it um, not, not a good habit to get into and not a good habit to get your family and the people around you into is that they, you've got to have a threshold and you got to set that threshold and you got to set it for yourself. When you, when you take and miss set that threshold of overworking for yourself, everybody around you gets used to that too. And they're going to take and, and, and they're not going to misuse it on purpose is they're going to take and um, they're going to take and have it as a bad habit for themselves, not just for you. So, um, so, all right. So I think I got that one. 
I'm yeah. going to just answer this real quick. Diane's calling me real quick, guys. I hate to do this. Hey, is everything okay? I'm on a podcast. Uh, Big Bear, the little one. Right by, yeah. Bye. I want <laughs> to make go. sure. Real life, right? Real life. Real life. Sorry, guys. We got dog in the, in the vet right now. All right. So very next one. Let's see. We got Josh Pierce. Uh, I believe he's in Iowa City, Iowa, um, or at least near there. Uh, anyway, how do you stand out and differentiate yourself from other shops when the economy starts slowing down? And how do you become the leader in your market during uncertain economic times? I love this. Josh is what you do. Hey, hey buddy. Uh, first off, it's all about people and connection. You're going to start, you, you, you go on a rampage of constantly putting good content out. Not for the fact of just putting content out. You've got to put valuable. You've got to take and you've got to take, you've got to take and educate, entertain. And what I mean now is not a dance show is that educate, teach them things about detailing. And people have a real hang up with that. Professionals in every almost every trade have a problem telling people how to do things within their trade. And that's a ridiculous way to look at it. People are never going to do the advanced stuff. All they're going to do is take and make your job easier when you see the car again. And so we're finally to a point where a lot of people are seeing value as business owners is because they're selling in the soap, they're selling in the wash bucket, they're doing different things. We did that for 20 years. So we educate. In that education is entertainment too. We don't we don't try to be a comedian. You are who you are. But through educating, you're also taking and entertaining because they're going, oh shit, wow, look at this. Um, and so you don't have to be a funny person. You don't have to be anything else. The two can combine. The other thing is we have empathy for people is because you're, you're facing the same thing they are, uncertainty. Our spending is way, backed way off. So is that affecting people we do business with? Absolutely. We haven't stopped doing business with them, but we're not being sloppy with our money. We're being very, very careful with our money. And so um, the other thing is, is getting active in your, in your market is and going on to not just social media, but getting digging in really, we just had Oscar walk in, is digging in deep within your local chamber, is educating at that level, digging in deep with the nonprofits, being a party community and, and offering up um, services, you know, offering up volunteering to do things, not necessarily writing a check to these organizations because organizations are hurting too, is volunteering your time. Your time is much more valuable. And so you've got to stand out within your market. You've got to take and be able to stand out in a good way. Does that make sense? And so how, how do we do that? How do we stand out within your market is you're being active. Don't, don't go silent. Get get now. When I say get louder, all it is is sending the message out. Start educating people at a local level. Think of the, the most famous person. Okay, um, who's Elon Musk right now, man? The dude's on fire. I mean, we keep saying that, right? The guy. Every time you turn, I've gotten in the last week probably. I, I, I subscribe to a few different news channels, right? And I'm real careful what gets into my head, and I've probably seen his name in headlines twelve times. But here he is. What's he own? SpaceX. He has, you know, Tesla, everything else, right? Is he Twitter? He's not talking. What Twitter? Yeah, Twitter now. Um, is he talking? Is he the one that's doing the talking about him? No, he's got everybody talking about him. It's genius. So what you want to do is try to get on to a, a talk radio show in your local market. 
Um, do things that are su supportive. Go to ribbon cuttings for new. Be able. I hear people say, "Wow, my chamber's not very good." Okay, go make it great. You go make your chamber great. Don't tell me it's not your chamber's not great. Then good. That's an opportunity for you to be a shining star in your community by making a chamber that's suffering great. Especially if you're young. Nothing, nothing against us guys that are a little older because we can do it too. But you've got to go out and 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 in these uncertain times. The other thing is really look at your menu and shorten down your menu and have everything. I, I tell people right now the sweet spot for coatings is six to eight hundred bucks. The super sweet spot for coatings is one fifty to three hundred. No paint correction. So there's a couple different markets now. You might be in a market that's just got buku disposable cash. What's going to happen with people that have got cash, even the top tiers? is they're getting thrifty with their money too, believe it or not. Not only are they getting thrifty with their money, a lot of them are going to try to work you over because they know things, times are getting tough, they, and they see you as a peasant. And so are those my customers? If, if The green's just as good. But I'm not going to take in – I'm not going to bow down. If, if I've got a $300 service and they want to pay me $150, I'd rather go out and bartend at night and find the right customers at a country club or something like that, that's not going to take and whittle me down. Okay. Cause that's what a certain degree of the market's going to do. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I just mentioned this too. Hard times is that, you know, we, we are, Diane and I were never afraid to go back to work. We always, we always had one plan. We were going to succeed. We never had to do that, but had things got, you know, um, bad, you would have seen my butt go right back to work to support my business so my business would survive. I am not beyond that. But here's the thing. Have your menu really adjust. What's your market hungry for? Do some beta testing. Go out there on, on the phone calls when people come in and say, hey, here's what I've got. You know, Make sure that you've got the audit, how your performance. Make sure that you've got the wording down. You're asking the right questions. The other thing is make sure you're competitive shopping all the shops in your area to find out what they're lousy at, and then you be really good at those things. If there's a, a shop in your area that's nailing it, then your goal is to become figure out a script. You're even better than they are. It's not cheaper either. I don't want to be cheaper than anybody. I, it, even when I was brand new, if I went out and there's six or seven shops, is I wanted to be at the same price or even higher than the best one out there that I figured, the most expensive one. I didn't even want to come 25 bucks below. I wanted to be at their level. Why? That was the message I was sending. People these days don't know how long you're in business unless you tell them. And so unless you've got that impressive mark, you know, where, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, you know, 60, whatever years you've got into business, unless you're telling them you're brand new, they're not going to know. And it, the only way they're going to know is if you're acting new or if you're insecure at being new. Don't be insecure. If you're educating yourself, be secure in that. But get in contact is, is Josh. Know what your market is looking for and know what the sweet spot in your market is. And if you don't know those things, start doing your own A-B testing. You know, have three things on your menu. What are people shifting for? What are they going for in your market? And, and whatever they're going for, that's where you start. That's where you start because you don't want to lose their interest and be too damn expensive right off the bat if they don't now if you if you're not landing any you got to do a lot more research in your market and find out where it is but i really honestly i i didn't care 
what my competitors were pricing things. I really didn't. I didn't care. We sold on service and connection. We now every market's got a glass ceiling. You can't, you know, I, I couldn't at the at the time. Let's say, you know, our average price was three seventy five. The average, our competitors' average price was probably one seventy five. I couldn't take it up to five seventy five. I, I would start damaging myself, right? And so I had to be now for a while there for probably about five years. We could, we did, and then and then 08 happened, and that's kind of what could be happening right now. And then what we did again is we adjusted our menu. We went in and started doing A B testing. Are they accepting A or are they accepting B? What are they? What what's the the most? And then when we be in front of people, we put ourselves in. When the economy goes bad, I get louder and louder and louder and louder. Not obnoxiously loud, educationally loud. And what I'll do is I never talk shit about other people, but I'll say, hey, you know, um, do a little video and talk about why you're taking and using steam on the inside of a car and show them, do reels, do shorts for, for, for YouTube, put all that social media. All I'm going to do is say, you know, Hey, a, a lot of people in our market, you know, hi, my name is Rennie Doyle. Uh, I'm a detailer here in Big Bear Lake, California. And I just wanted to talk the realities, realities of detailing with you started out that way and going, you know, one of the things we do is we, we use steam within all detailing and then be steaming something and be talking to the camera. It's all things you can do and say, you know, you, we use European steam for one reason is we don't really have to use a lot of chemicals. So if your your family or family members sensitive to chemicals, we can even provide a complete cleaning chemically free. You know, uh, what's the difference within uh, steaming versus a lot of my competitors are using wet extraction and the interior car is just absolutely soaked. And it could be wet for days. Um, our system is a dry system. I'm not talking crap about my competitors. I'm generalizing it, talking crap about my competitors. I'm not pointing anybody out. What's that going to do? It is going to create, it's going to put you in the in, in the crosshairs. Your, your bad competitors are going to hate you. Good. I love that position. But what's going to happen is now all of a sudden, people are going to start calling out. They're going to talk to you. And then they're going to call your competitors that don't know how to sell don't know how to connect with people and they're going you know hey do you guys use european steam what is your some of them will be dumb enough to go what's european steam that's bullshit you got them because your competitors just failed they're not they're not competing with you so josh you've just got to be above the board the best if you're not the best you got to wordsmith yourself the best if you don't know how to speak real good you're going to go to toastmasters you're going to get involved with the chamber you're going to become better and better and better and better and better at communicating. And we've had people come into this training extremely shy. And I tell them, you can't be shy. You got to learn that eight hours out of the day, when you put that entrepreneur hat on, don't be shy. When you take it off at night, be shy. You know, take a deep breath, you know, go to the gym, whatever, work out that frustration of having to talk to people. Um, Danny Elfman, uh, he's a composer for, Tim Burton movies. He's done, if you name the movie, he's done all Tim Burton movies. He was in a rock band or punk band or whatever you want to call it. I, I call it Oingo Boingo. It, there is no, no music like it in the world, right? One of the reasons he, he, he left, you know, I'm a huge, I just saw Danny Elfman for the 15th time in concert. Took Diane because she never got to see him, right? I always thought he wasn't coming back into the rock circuit because he was so successful with Tim Burton and made himself a gazillionaire 10 times. No. He had extreme stage fright. The whole time he was in a rock band in the 80s and 90s, he had extreme stage fright. 
in his at 60 years old he he came out to the concert just months ago and said i'm really nervous i've never been a solo artist i've never put a concert on by myself i'm kind of weird i'm kind of effed up but here we go and he got halfway through the concert and he was feeding off the the audience and they loved him and he was 100 himself from 30 years ago 40 years ago he became comfortable you've got to become comfortable at talking don't get stage fright work your way through it if people are giving you good feedback and you're liked you're doing a good job um you're probably doing a much better job than what you think you're not as shy as you think you probably speak better than you do here's the other thing is you're answering phones or as customers come into your shop if you have a shop don't let them know you're recording it delete the recording you're not using it anywhere else record yourself communicating with customers and better yourself, study yourself, and make yourself a better communicator. There it is. I'm going to actually um, <clears throat> skip over one, but I am going to come back to it. But I'm going to go to uh, Jake's question because I think it's kind of related. So we'll just see if we tie it in here. Uh, so so Jake, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but I think it's Gayerluck. Uh, oh, yeah, Dickinson, North Dakota. Um, he asks, how does one advertise or promote their abilities to potential clients? So not necessarily, you know, talking slow times, but how do you, I, I, I kind of think where this is going is how do you promote that you're better educated, uh, that you've done more training, that you've gotten certifications, all that kind of stuff. You know, I had, we had a young man here and, oh, it's slipping me who said it. I'm so sorry because I love to give credit. And he termed it, and I've said it several times, is that the good, you know, this, people say out of an organization, whether you're part of AAA insurance or you're part of the IDA, you're part of the detail mafia, or you're part of, uh, I don't care what organization it is, your local chamber, what do I, you know, what, what's in it for me? What do we get out of it? I, I, I hate, I'm going to bring in a little secret. Everything in your life, your health, your mental health, your physical health, your success in business, your success in a marriage, your success with your kids, your success with your dog, everything comes down to it's what you put into everything you do. I don't care if it's an organization or lifting. You know, back when I was a kid, I really got into powerlifting. Uh, I didn't get stronger unless I lifted. Uh, you don't get healthier as you get older unless you exercise. And so the first thing you do, I love what this young man said is he explains it when people ask that they're talking about him. He says, you know, um, one of the things I'd like to mention also is that we're an inter internationally recognized certified detailer. God. And so your credentials is how you present them. Other detailers are going to say, eh, I don't care about being certified. Your clients do. You're an RN. Okay. Uh, could you imagine going and applying? For, or somebody now because you're leadership, right? You know, so people come in and report to you. Could you imagine somebody coming and applying for a job and say, you know, I really want this 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 nurse position? Okay, well, what's your credentials? You know, I, I went through an ENT class, right? Is that listen? You've got to be trained. Um, you've got it. You've got, and then you got to tell to get where you're at. Thirty. I'm talking to a young man that's done extremely well. He's in, he's in a, a top position. I won't embarrass him uh, by ha tell, telling him how high, but he's, he's pretty, climbed pretty high, hasn't he? You know, at a very young age, right? 
your credentials. How much did your credentials help you climb that ladder? So many people don't talk about their credentials. Here's the other thing is that how do you advertise and promote your abilities is getting active and you don't need any special editing software. You don't need anything is going live and showing people what you're doing, you know, and maybe putting a plug in there when you do it is, is you don't have to say it every single time, but maybe have a paint gauge up and, and showing, say, we've got a brand new car. And I just want to kind of show you guys, everybody watching this in the, in the, in the greater uh, Dickinson market is that we, we are one of the few and I never say, I say, say I never, am, I'm careful to say the only because you might age out that video. Your competitors might come in and get certified and they call you on it. So I'll say we're one of the few, if not the only, uh, in, internationally recognized, trained and certified detailers in the Dickinson area. We want to share some facts with you about detailing. And you do a little video and you show your paint gauge. Uh, you show your gloss meter, you show these different things, you talk about healthy clear coat, is you do a one-minute video. All these things are going to separate yourself. You write articles, you put articles on your website, you put a newsletter, you go and you present to the chamber. You know, one of the greatest things we have that I honed in my ability to communicate with people is senior citizen centers are always looking for guest speakers. So we would come in and talk about senior car care, how to take care of your car, how to make it last a little longer, simple things they could do. And we'd always educate them. If you're looking to have something professionally done, here's what you must really look at to protect yourself. Make sure that they're IDA certified. We called that out. And what we did is all those senior citizens probably weren't within our budget, but I felt good because we we're telling them, we're sharing with them how not to get ripped off and really kind of the bare minimal. These people are all on a pretty serious budget. If they're there on that this event, they're on a very small budget. And so what they couldn't do is they're probably looking to our good lower, because there, are, there were some good lower entry-level detailers. There's a couple of in our market that did a pretty good job for cheap. They really did. I didn't want to do that. They were supplying a service to a market that we didn't normally do. Sometimes, even at these events, I would refer them over to this. I, you know, we do a little higher end. We work on Air Force One. We do these things. But here's there's two companies I want you guys to get in contact with. And both of them do pretty good work at this level. Here's the questions to ask them. You know, what a great opportunity. Would I bring them in? No, this is my highlight show. I'm sharing them, but this is me getting better at speaking. This is me getting better at sending my message. This is me doing something nice for the community. And so, you know, Get out there. Nobody's going to tell your story, Jake, like you are. And so you've got to get it on there on social media. You've got to get it in your newsletter. You've got to get it onto your website. You've got to, here's the other big thing I'm pointing at Oscar right now, is you've got to get other people talking about it. And so how do you get that? Is you're going to go and become really big part of the supporting part of your local chamber, of your local rotary clubs, of your local lead generation groups. I would much rather be part of a chamber or a rotary be, and, and support them because their lead generation is there for, to help people, but they're really there for profits. And it's a little different than, than when, when I got involved in the chamber. Oscar's never heard this. We moved here. I knew I got to jump in. I just moved back to Big Bear. I haven't been here in 20 years uh, or almost 20 years. I have got to take and get connected right now. How did I do that? Chamber of Commerce is the Chamber of Commerce here was pretty good at that time. 
We just amped it up a little better. And so we met people in a brand new town. And within one year, because I went out and got involved, and I got involved with search and rescue here, we got involved with uh, citizens on patrol, a lot of, of, of senior citizens on our trainings. We'd bring their vehicles in. We got involved with the, with the, the, the local animal shelter and the local res- uh, uh, animal rescues. Um, we got involved in, in, in our first year here. I had my car in a couple car shows. The second year here, we're announcing the car shows. We're the announcer at the car show. So we jumped in, and within 12 months, we were a, a really big part of this community. If you've been a part of this community, maybe your lifetime or for a decade or, or five years, you've already got an in. But you're going to make it even deeper by getting involved with that. Um, I mean, I, we, we even got involved in our homeowners association. I was a vice president of the homeowners association. It was kind of a pain in the booty, but it, 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 I, it put me in front of other homeowners that had nice homes and it allowed me to build relationships up. The other thing is I never expected those relationships to give me referrals until I gave them a referral. I worked hard on making them successful. If I got nothing in return, I didn't have anything bad to say about them. I just didn't push as hard for their company. I, I went and found somebody that was like me that would share the word. Does that make sense? So, Jake, those are some great ways. That was a great question. So hope you're well. Okay. These were all good questions. I got another pretty good one here. We already heard from Romero earlier in the show when he gave us that nice comment, but he also sent in a question yesterday. So Romero Torres, he's from Oakland, California. What is the best way to select and find a shop location? And what are the right questions to ask when acquiring about the available space? Wow. Um, First right off the bat is don't go triple net. Do not lease a building triple net. That means it's all pass-throughs. You're going to be paying if they if they decide, uh, let's say there's 10 units in, in, in your complex. And if it's triple net and they decide that your second year in, that they're going to go ahead and repave it and it's $10,000, you're paying one-tenth of that. So um, you're also paying the property tax. So if it increases, every time it increases, you're paying, you're paying part of that. If they decide to stripe the, the, the new blacktop, you're paying part of that. If they, if they decide to put a brand new roof on it, you're paying part. Of, well, guess what? When they have a triple net building, guess what the owners do? The nice side of that is they keep that building nice because you're paying for it. You're paying you know, for you're it. Paying, you're paying for it. You're paying for it. Um, in that case, if you have to go to a triple net, I'm going to look at everything available to go buy my own building or build my own building. Um, it. I wish we, we, we would have done that consecutively all the way through. We've done it twice. Um, looking back at it, uh, I think right now, especially the SBA, there's a lot of different, you know, it's relationships with, with banks and everything else. You could actually buy your own property and build your own, you know? So look at that as an option. A lot of times people are looking at you're in Oakland, big, not completely impossible. You know, you can, you can do it. Uh, there's also a lot of these buildings that are condoized that the ownership of these buildings are aging out. They're starting to get the age to where, um, the families don't want to take it over. Uh, it's a lot of work for them. Uh, they, they don't want to deal with the, uh, the challenges of society that we have right now, you know, uh, right now in California to be a landlord's not a good thing is that people, um, we've got housing and commercial buildings that, uh, certain counties and cities is they don't have, they, they, they cannot kick you out. 
is you've got people that are renting buildings and homes that are not paying landlords a penny and there's nothing the landlords can do until those people decide to move out or they become destructive. Even then they can't get them out in certain, certain markets. Um, and so people are wanting to when they come vacant, they're like, screw this. I'm not doing this again. So what you want to look at is no triple net. The other one is the first thing to do is what's your reality is everybody want? I would say go smaller. Um, we never had a, we had one huge shop that we owned. Okay. And then this one, everything else that we leased was way under our means, not over our means. The other thing is we didn't, I can tell you this. We had a shop. The one that we owned was drive by um, opportunity. Um, it brought the wrong people into our shop. It, it didn't bring the right people in. And it also brought an element in that saw what we had in the shop and it spooked me. So we had, we, had, we had to close our shop off. We never let anybody go in the back because we had some really nice vehicles back there. And I didn't, it just brought an element in that was just being nosy, you know? So we went off the beaten path is that we, we looked for shops that weren't right there. Matter of fact, we, the last three shops I had didn't even have front signage on it. Zero, zero. We always put something on the building that would stand out to where we could tell the clients, look for X amount. You know, that's all we, we would have something that stood out or we had a landmark of another person's company. And so, you know, we decided to away from, you know, I just don't think detailing is a volume. I think that there are markets out there that that does work, but it just didn't work for me. If you're looking for drive-by traffic, and you're going through, I would say probably you're better off looking for a car wash and buying a car wash and then putting your detailing center into the car wash and, and, and do it that way. That's another opportunity is why just look at a shop? Why not look at, at, at buying or renting a car wash, you know, or leasing a car wash? Uh, we've got people that did that, the self-service bays, and they turned one bay into a in, into their detail bay. They're after everybody coming in to wash and spray off their cars. They could scan their, the QR code or they could they could call you right then and there and get a bid. So what I'm looking for is reality of, you know, the square foot price. Um, I want to know if it's triple net or not. The other thing is, will they accept a lot of these buildings will not accept automotive related businesses, especially detailers, because they're dirty. Uh, the, the water runoff. You've got to go. You've got to you've got to ask them straight out. If I start washing cars on the outside of this building. How much blowback am I going to get from my neighbors and the other businesses? A lot of times the owner wants to fill a spot. If he's got to kick you out because you didn't weren't you weren't transparent on saying you're going to wash cars, guess what? He's going to kick he or she is going to kick you out and you're going to be sued for the rest of that that lease that you owe on it. And you're not going to have a shop, but you're going to be paying for one. And so a lot of times we've got uh, people that I know what they do is they've they have taken and renamed their 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 business or they They've got a name and it doesn't say detail in it. You know, it's paint correction, you know, or it's it's uh, surface protection, you know, all these different things. And so you, you've got to look at the realities of who's going to who's going to lease to you, how much it's going to be. And then if you're unless you're 100 percent sure, the other really big one is six to 12 months of backup capital is that you've got to take and have your company and yours so enough savings to pay you. And pay all your business-related bills, including your new lease, for at least six months, preferably a year, without bringing any income in. Because what if you get hurt? What if the economy tanks? What if we have another 
You know, we 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 lived through September 11th, and for two or three months, it really slowed business down around the country. A lot of industries really hurt. We were one of them. We we're okay. We had enough savings. So that's the other thing you ask yourself: is do I have enough capital to make this happen? Um, and what happens if I slow down? Do I have a need? Is it a need versus a want? Do I just want a shop or do I need a shop? And there's what it is. We operated and did over a million dollars a year in 1,200 square feet. 1,200 square feet. Now, what I'm not telling you is that we had about another 2,000 covered square feet that we added during the summertime in awnings and canopies and stuff like that. But in the wintertime, we, we, we had it literally, it was a squeeze for, we could fit a truck and a car in, but two big trucks, almost impossible, you know? So we had a canopy outside in, in the wintertime that we could dry store without getting snow all over that truck until we're ready to bring it in. And for delivery, the same thing. Um, you also got to ask yourself, okay, if I'm doing a lot of coatings, we don't like turning coatings out in bad weather. And so do I have enough room to keep them overnight and still be able to work on what I've got going? And so all these different things got to apply to you. Right now, I know commercial, I thought commercial property is going to dump and it's just not. It's, it's really expensive. Our town right now, the other benefit is if you own the shop and it's not impossible, the biggest thing that you're going to have is people slow themselves down by not thinking they can own their property. You can own your, in some markets, it's really tough, but don't think it's impossible. It's just really tough. And so uh, now available space, again, when you get off the beaten path, you're going to have an easier time finding stuff. Primary drive-by is going to be a little harder to find and a lot more expensive and, and most likely triple net. Um, and so just kind of look at that. Don't be afraid as you're getting in, if it's a, if it's a solo <laughs> owner that owns that property you're looking at, don't be afraid of asking him, have you ever thought about selling this property? Because you would be, that's how I got into mine, both of them. This one too. You got to open your mouth up. And both of them didn't happen in an active search. It was a, it was a, it was an active search. I had my, my ears and eyes open, but I wasn't hunting for it at the time. And we rolled into the best situations uh, we could just by word of mouth. So pretty cool. Hope that help, helps out, Romero. I think so. All right. Last one is a quick and easy detailing and product question. Okay. It's from Jose Luis Castro in Mexico. Uh, he's a newer Welcome. detailer. Uh, if I coated a vehicle with Soul, can I do a maintenance wash with Absolute? And I, absolutely. Answer, I answered this one for him, and I told him absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, it's 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 so so. Let me qualify. I mean. Waterless, uh, rinseless washing has been around. We started on aircraft. Uh, I did my first rinseless wash. Whew, I got to do the math. Over 40 years ago. Because airports are real sensitive to stormwater runoff, what's called stormwater runoff. That includes water from your hose, you know, or fresh washer. What's, yeah, they're sensitive about everything. Uh, you want to you get people really pissed off. Um, just go do something wrong at an airport. You'll know about it pretty quick. And, and there, it, it's the most, one of the most politically charged pieces of property in a community. An airport is much like a Marina, right? If you do anything wrong, they're not going to know about it. Everybody's going to know about it, you know, and they will rat you off. They, they, they are looking for you to, to screw something up on those, on those two elements. And so with that being said, yeah, you can absolutely do an absolute 
wash, a rinseless wash on it, even a waterless wash. We're going to do that right now. Um, and again, what's going to be sensitive to uh, sole, which is our, our, our topper, you know, or what we call one-year coating, which I hate putting, you know, timeframes on any of these coatings anymore. Um, but, you know, friction is going to be part of the removal process. And even soft friction, you know, is going to be part of it. And then chemicals are going to become, but absolute so balanced that you're not going to have a, I love it. And matter of fact, it's even going to put a little bit of a softness to it. So uh, a lot of times what I'll do is we'll use absolute as a drying aid. So even during the, wa the, the, the wet wash process, if I've got a, a car, uh, this car is probably the only, you know, I'm looking at a little Porsche, uh, my wife's Porsche. This is, we really try to, really take good care of the paint. The paint's in really good shape. All my other stuff's daily drivers, man. You know, uh, I'm going to correct it, but we'll use absolute as a drying aid on top of this. And you can even feel it. It just makes it even smoother. So as the car's wet, before I take a towel across it, I'll just mi mist some absolute on it or bead maker or even dream maker onto it. And just, it just helps kind of do the clean. It will clean up any dry, you know, um, water lines that you might possibly get on it, you know, and it just, it works out. It works fantastic. It really does. Yeah, my, my favorite is to, to wash with absolute and, and then, uh, use bead maker as a drying aid. Um, boy, that just feels so good and, and always turns out nice. It does. It, the polymer finish it puts on the surface is just, it's really, really, really smooth. You guys are going to be doing that today. And so here in house, we'll be doing that today and experiencing that. So what a lot of great questions. Those were pretty cool. I dig it. Yeah. So, hey, if you've yeah, got I more questions, I submit them to us, you know, because we love it. We're going to try to do this at least once a month yep. uh, or once a month, not at least. We're going to do it once a month now and open this up because it's just it's fun. And um, I think it's educational and I hope you all enjoy it. Yeah. So uh, contact info is below. Both our email addresses are there. Renny at DetailingSuccess.com. Chris at DetailingSuccess.com. And, uh, you know, the next big thing's coming up for everybody right now is Mobile Tech Expo. Um, we've got, uh, you know, we mentioned it before, but on Education Day, uh, Rennie's going to be in three different places. Uh, and one of those is the keynote. So uh, I got to get him busy on preparing that still, probably. I'm already on it. <laughs> I've already got about halfway done. So you can apologize now. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I'll, it you too. I'll tell you what, I'm going to take and get you a special hat and shirt. If I send it over today, you've got to wear it on the next 10 podcasts. How's that? Oh, no. Yeah. Uh -huh. I want to see that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, and then at Miami Lux uh, uh, Detail Supply in Miami on the 30th, which is Monday, immediately following Mobile Tech, we're doing a coffee, coatings, and profits event. Uh, we've just had two of them now. We did one last weekend. Uh, we had about 40 people show up to that. It was really cool. Uh, the one in Miami is going to be a little bit smaller just because William's got limited space, um, but it's going to be a good time. So if, if you're in the area and you want to check that out, you know, Please check our social media. You'll find it, and uh, we'll get you all signed up for it. Hey, and Romero, going back on shops, go back and those looking uh, for a shop and somebody that's done a lot with a little space is William and his wife have done an outstanding job of building a really, really cool location, and it's not big. It's, nope. it's not tiny, but it's 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 very workable, and they've made the best out of it, and 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 and. It's marketed perfectly. It looks fantastic. 
and uh, it's by Miami uh, standards. It's 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 affordable for them to jump up next next level would be really expensive. And so they've made the best out of what their market offers and they did a great job on their location and, and really good people. We have a fun time every time we're down there a year ago and that's when we met mm-hmm. um, as a mobile tech. And yeah. so um, we, we have a good time. And then later in the year, we're going to be coming up towards your area with this. We have to figure out how, um, but we want to talk with Bobby and do one in New Jersey when we have the, uh, the spring detailers weekend mafia weekend up there. And so we want to tie that in and have a, uh, one of those events. So that way we hit all, all four corners of the, the country with this event. So, and I had a, I had a request yesterday to do one, uh, kind of in the, the middle of California in the Manteca area. So oh, we're going to, cool. we're going to, we're going to talk about that too. Yeah. I'd like to get one up at Oscar shop, you know, do one up in Ventura area. Uh, he always brings a good, good crowd up there. And then, uh, Somewhere it might be even fun. Uh, we have to figure out how to do one up in the Pacific Northwest, also. Definitely. You know, yeah, yep. we have to do one up there. Yeah. So, um, so we'll uh, we'll figure that out. So maybe we get up there and do it a day before uh, Air Force One starts or something like that. Sunday morning, maybe I get up there Saturday night and we do one on Sunday morning. Might be kind of fun. Yeah, that'd be like funny that. for the mafia that wants to come up. People that are going up early, you know, come on up for it and uh, be a lot of fun. Be cool. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, guys. Well, hey, take care. Have a great week. We're going to go uh, work these guys' booties off and uh, wish them luck. Uh, great people. So, uh, thanks for the questions. We didn't get to all of them, but we'll roll those we didn't get into into the next one. And thanks for submitting them. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, all. Thanks for listening to the Rennie Doyle podcast, brought to you by Detailing Success and PNS Double Black. Listen to new episodes weekly and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to share with your friends and colleagues.